Today, it's straight out of Khalees, baby. I talk with two of the four players in my Saturday morning Twilight 2000 game. This is Diceology number 56. This is Diceology, the podcast about tabletop games, and we talk to the people that play them. So my conversation today is with Jeff Hunt and Neil Carver from my Saturday morning Twilight 2000 game. Uh, We recorded this maybe three or four weeks ago, uh, ninth or tenth session. Today, we're 13, 14 sessions in of uh, this game we play mostly every Saturday morning. These morning games have a lot of energy and excitement to them, and I'm enjoying that. Twilight 2000 has been a uh, an exciting, fabulous, more than I bargained for game. Uh, right out of the gate, it's a survival sandbox game, not a military sim game. We're playing it rules as written out of the box. I think the biggest hurdle we've had is working out the coolness under fire rules. And I spoke with some of the uh, designers in the booth at PAX to get that worked out. Uh, But other than that, we're playing this game, Rules as Written, and it's been a lot of fun. So I feel I would be remiss if I didn't bring up the Ukrainian war uh, in the context of Twilight 2000. There are a lot of parallels uh, between uh, both what's happening now and the fictional alternate history of Twilight 2000. And while we continue to play this game, it's not in a tone-deaf manner. Uh, We've had discussions, uh, as you do with your trusted group of folks, right? Um, This may not be a game I'd play at an open table at a convention, but maybe, right? Um, I think this is a case of uh, real-life politics bleeding into our game space, into our world, and we have to make decisions about do we continue this game, do we do something else? Um, and that's an individual thing. There's no one right shoe there. So my heart goes out to the Ukrainian folks, and I hope they quickly find peace and a solution. With that said, Twilight 2000 is a game by Free League. It's the role-playing in World War III that never was, right? Uh, I think this is this fourth iteration of the game that got released, I don't know, way back in the 80s somewhere. I remember playing the first edition back in the 80s. I think I was, I don't think I was high school yet. And I don't know that we actually played Rules as Written. I think our minds were blown. And, you know, I'm from that Cold War era, right? So the game was uh, something different in that space. So uh, it uses a modified version of the Year Zero engine. It uses a the hex crawling system from uh, Mutant Year Zero and Forbidden Lands. They tweaked enough of the things uh, to make it fit the gritty world of Twilight 2000. It's set in a Poland devastated by war. It also comes with a Swedish setting. And you could probably, with the stuff in the core book, set your game uh, anywhere in the world. I did a podcast with Tomas some, some time ago. And I think the plan for Free League is to roll out new settings or uh, ways to move the material to different settings. So 
my conversation with Neil and Jeff is about their player experience uh, with Twilight 2000 and the current situation in the game. Twilight 2000 has each character have a big dream and a moral code. And those two things kind of drive some fictional stress, uh, some fictional conflict uh, within that character and across characters. Following those two things, we have two characters in the game that find themselves in a pickle and brings a lot of tension to the table for the four players. We, we get into that. We talk about that because the decisions made uh, could spell the end of those two characters, uh, either through death or uh, that character arc's resolution. And we talk about those things. We talk those things out because it's it'll be kind of uh, bittersweet. So I think it's an exercise in uh, when your game gets real, right? Uh, what do you do, right? And for us, we took a step back. We had a meta conversation at the player level about the game we want to play, uh, how we want to play, where we want to go. And then we roll that back into the actual game level and play that out. The Dysology Podcast is supported by listeners like you. So if you're picking up what we're putting down, consider supporting me on Patreon slash MadJ0, all letters. Let's make this our regular thing. Uh, but let's talk about the character you chose, what you dig about that character. And, and then we'll go from there. We'll go around from there. And then as the folks jump in, we'll, we'll include them. I have some things I do want to cover, but we, we should probably know who you are and who you're playing. Um, and I will start with, I know, oh, I believe everyone had pregens to begin with. And I think everyone is playing still with those pregens or modified versions of that, except for maybe Neil. Yeah, I didn't have a pregen. I, I created my guy, but uh, it was, I think I took a pregen at the time mm-hmm. and it was you know how you did the most basic version versus pregens that had gone through the life cycle? Right. And that's where we discovered those two don't match up. Like, <laughs> right. I agree. To yeah. do one or the other if for the group to be equal because the basic ones are simply way too basic yeah. to be fun with the life half uh, versions. Yeah, uh, I was I was able to like hunt and be a doctor and like all this other stuff. And you're like, I have a gun. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> I don't know how to use it, but I've got one. <laughs> yeah. So I think, I mean, it's just good to know. It's a thing they should point out. I think both are viable. It's just, yeah. you, need, you can't really mix them effectively. Right. But. Yeah, for, for party balance, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess I, I can yeah, start. Yeah, no, you can start, Neil. Okay. Um, so Neil Carver, i uh, been gaming for 40-some years now and uh, played Twilight 2000 back in the 80s a little bit. And so this was seeing it come out and hearing about it and knowing Jay was going to be running it, I was like, I got to get on this. So it was, uh, and I ordered the game immediately and I've picked up the box set of it and uh, think it's a really high quality product uh, for what it does. And I'm what I'm fascinated by, so the character that I created, my main impetus was I didn't want to be an American, but I also didn't want to be someone who, you know how like in a lot of, stories you have to have that outsider who's learning things as the audience learns them type of thing you know they and so i was like i didn't want to play an american character but i didn't want to play somebody who was from poland or would know the area or had been there so i kind of took you know and i read up on you know the whole 80s 90s nato warsaw pact issues going on and like you know and just looked at a character from norway as a really interesting character who would have definitely been involved had a history with nato and that type of stuff but being in Poland, especially if his unit had been destroyed, you know, he'd be that 
completely still kind of fresh to the whole scene and have to learn. So that's kind of basically why I picked the idea of playing Bard uh, and, you know, just kind of read up on uh, some Norwegian military units and organization and how they've been framed over the years and kind of picked that and said, okay, yeah, he was there. His unit got wiped out by a tank front and he's on his own and he's <laughs> got to figure out how do we get home. And uh, that was it. So, um, but I, I like, you know, you know, as Jeff talks about his character and things like that, I like the dynamics of the different characters uh, a lot. I think backgrounds are super crucial to this game. So. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, Neil put a whole bunch more thought into his character than I have. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm Jeff Hunt. Similarly to Neil, um, I've been gaming since the early 80s, maybe even late 70s, uh, with the the blue the blue box, the first edition D and D, basic, I should say. Um, but uh, yeah, played Twilight 2000 back in the late 80s. Um, uh, a few times, not a lot. Uh, probably didn't really play it, quote unquote, right. I think we were just screwing around and and wanted to, you know, see what it'd be like in the military, and thought this was the easiest way to do that for some strange reason. Nice. Uh, <laughs> and we'd probably been watching some Rambo and and things like right, that. Right. So, you know, the commies equal bad. You know, uh, that kind of thing. Um, so uh, again, similarly to to Neil, when. Uh, you know, you and I, Jay, you and I had had uh, played a few games at um, at Origins together. Origins, yeah. uh, you had run a um, Apocalypse World game uh, that was a lot of fun. And I think we'd probably been at a table a couple of times apart from that together. And so um, I was very curious to see um, at a, um, uh, gosh, what is it called now? The Open Gaming. Um, yeah, uh, at the Gauntlet. Um, yes, the Gauntlet Open Gaming. Yeah, the Open Gaming Weekend. Yeah, um, those are are absolutely fantastic. Anybody who's who's listening, um, if you uh, if you want to try some new games or you want to try like with a new GM or a new group of people, um, all of this came out from from that just sort of one shot, and it was I think it was just me and Neil. And and you right, and then Matt joined us later. Did did we have yeah, joined, no Rick and, and there was another guy I can't remember his name. He played the pilot with the fifty cal. And that's right. And but he was there just for the just uh, for the go, 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 gauntlet. Yeah, gauntlet. Yeah, yeah. So so my character uh, Janusz Franczak uh, is Polish. He's a doctor um, who is uh, he is a, he's a captain in the military. Um, I'm still sort of thinking through whether that was kind of like a Hawkeye Pierce, the, the Polish government shows up at your door, like yeah. you're in the military now, or whether he's actually serving because he wanted to serve. Um, he does have this belief that like, there should be polls for, there, there should be Poland for the Polish, that like for the first time in centuries, Poland has the the, the chance to become you know, actually free from foreign control. Um, and so that's that's that sort of led him to make some questionable decisions uh, and say some questionable things uh, <laughs> that are strategically, I would say, in uh, non-viable. Uh, but um, but that's what that's what the playing to find out is all about, right? Like that's I don't right. want to win. I want to play until you know until my character dies, and then like 
well, as I said on your Facebook, like right. that's what that's what character creation is for, you know, go back that's to right. and start with somebody else. We can fix that. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, like I said, we had a, a one shot and here we are 10 sessions, at least 10 sessions out from there. And I feel like we got a lot of the day-to-day uh, groove down from journey rules to uh, shifts in the day, what tasks we're going to do. And we stepped into some base building, which I was excited about because uh, that opens up a whole another set of mechanics. And now we're having to deal with neighbors. And now I feel like this this last session, we got into some real, like a, a place we, we haven't seen, some real risks that we haven't seen before. And I feel like our dynamic, at least in the game, has changed. Uh, not good or bad. That's those aren't the those aren't the right words. Uh, but it got more real, more dramatic, more tense. And I um, think the reason it became more tense is that, and I'm glad I feel like we have a group of mature players who can handle this. But there's a lot of pressure on any kind of part of unity, and those fractions of all those fractures have always been there because everybody's different They're coming from the outside you're just trying to survive and now we have serious potential um differences of opinion on where we need to go with this and you know i, I like to think that as a mature group we can handle that but it might mean certain characters go away or right. that type of thing and like it's interesting to see whether we just handle that as a play group or you know i don't know that the game necessarily rewards or supports that in any particular way but it's certainly possible for it to happen where things right. could kind of just fall apart but we don't want the game to fall apart but it's very likely right. our party could fall apart and we got to figure that out so yeah i you know i um so what what neil is alluding to is that um a couple of our <laughs> characters um decided to to try and make friends with our neighbors really one character mine uh, decide like okay you know we're gonna we're gonna try and unite uh with some with some local poles and like oh uh those aren't poles those are americans and and um oh they have a tank okay well now this is a totally different situation than we thought i got grabbed up uh along with another uh with our with our uh, one of our two american players tracy uh or, or uh, characters tracy and um and there, there is, as Neil said, there's a real likelihood that uh, I, Tr- Tracy and, and Janusz don't come back um, either because, you know, we decide like, eh, it's more trouble than it's worth to try and rescue them. Or it's like the thing about Twilight 2000 is it's pretty uh, realistic that like if you're four people going up against, uh, what did you say? It was a company or something like that. Like you're not going to win. Like never, ever, ever, ever are you going to win because somebody <laughs> at some point is going to lob a grenade in your way, in your in your direction, or they're going to get a lucky shot off or whatever. Your <laughs> One of your friends is going to shoot you by accident or whatever. You're going to roll, a, you know, you're going to fail a cuff roll. Um, right, right. And, but you're just not going to win. And, and I don't have any interest in killing off the whole party. I would much rather. Um, that we, you know, discuss as a group, like, well, what, what's, what makes sense in, in the metagame for, right. for us to do? And then we, we play to find out how that works, right? Right. Um, I think one of the things, if we didn't do it today in this uh, podcast, uh, before we played, is have that meta discussion about, here's some potential things. Tracy, um, looking at her big dream, 
maybe rejoining the this U.S. force is the thing, and she stays, right? She, I'm cool with this, right? Um, and then checking in at the player level, how, I mean, what do you guys want as players, right? And we'd have that meta discussion and then play forward from there. Um, yeah. Without that discussion, uh, we could end up with some outcomes that uh, we don't like, right? Um, and I'd rather the group continue to play. We've been doing this 10 sessions, and yeah. it's one of my favorite games to play Saturday mornings. Um, I look forward to it during the week. Yeah. Um, yeah, so for me, it, it makes sense to have that talk. What do we What do we want to do? What do we want to see? Yeah. Um, and then play toward that. Um, yeah, and, and Neil's right that that meta discussion requires some uh, maturity, uh, emotional right. maturity and intellectual maturity. And you have to have an understanding of like what the game is like. I mean, when I was, I don't know if, if you guys were the same, like when I was young and playing the, you know, advanced D&D, um, the, the point of playing was not exactly to win because you were never going to win, but like to do well. And right, to do well. one of the things that I, I credit uh, Neil as a GM and game designers like uh, Vincent Baker and Jason Morningstar of like really trying to free people up from that perspective that like, listen, you're, it's a much more interesting game if your characters are genuinely fallible and will make decisions that are because of character issues or character flaws that are going to get them into trouble. And not everybody does everything that's smart all the time. Like, all the time. <laughs> I will raise my hand and say like, yeah, I have made plenty of stupid decisions. And like whoever my player is, is, is clearly playing in the style of like Masto rather than anything else. Well, I, I think that's great. Like I joke about that, but I think that's what's really interesting to come back to T2K with decades of experience and a whole new perspective on what kind of what we want role playing to be right you know and that it's not about optimizing our our both our player decisions and character abilities it's about who is this character and exploring who they are in this world and how do they change and I think that's what's really interesting about this because once again, at least as far as I can see from a game design, this is pretty much an open world trad. Like any of this type of meta stuff is purely on the players and GM to have a discussion. There's no rules about it in the game. There's no, you know, benefits for other than maybe you get some experience if you struggle with your core drives or something like that, but there's no like mechanics to help kind of push this thing it is it's you know it's a game where the mechanics are all about what happens when there's a fight and what happens to are you able to survive day to day right, and, you, yeah can you survive right and when you layer in all this other stuff it you know becomes way more interesting in my opinion but it's also kind of really up to the group to see how that happens i so. i might push back against that just very slightly only because i think if the gm um, is good about kind of reminding the player about their drives and their big dreams mm -hmm. and saying like, listen, I'm going to reward good role-playing and good role-playing may not be optimal for your character. 
And, you know, so then maybe, I don't know if the game designers, if that's why they put those in there, because I don't think those were part of the original game. It's been, you know, decades since I've seen the original T2K, but um, that smells very much like a um, uh, apocalypse type game, uh, Powered by the Apocalypse idea that... um, that they've sort of woven into, as Neil said, a very trad, uh, otherwise a very trad game. Like this game is so freaking crunchy. Um, very, yeah, it is. It is. I mean, uh, I haven't, I have not calculated encumbrance since <laughs> I think since the eighties. Yeah. Uh, to your point, the the learn from experience. So that we uh, you get XP at the end of every session. Here are the questions. Right. Uh, no matter what happened in that session. Uh, at the end of every session, I ask these questions. And for every yes, a person gets an XP point. Did you participate in the game session? You get one XP just for being there. Did you follow your moral code despite significant risk to yourself or your group? So all the all the characters have a moral code. Did you set risk or sacrifice something significant to realize your big dream? Uh, in addition to the moral code, all the characters have a big dream. So these are the two big drives you can be rewarded for struggling with. Did you travel through at least one hex on the travel map that you had not visited before? Uh, so we're, we're getting rewarded for travel, for, for exploring. Did you overcome one or more dangerous events using violent or nonviolent means? And then lastly, did you risk your life for the PC who is your buddy? So every character also kind of teams up and picks a buddy that they're looking out for. Um, and that is, that's it. Every session we go through that list at the end. Um, and that kind of what I want to do get in the habit of is reviewing our moral codes and big dreams at the top, um, to kind of inform play. But, uh, yeah, I think this last session, I think everything for Tracy and for Yanush was about the moral codes and big dreams, right? We, we call these suboptimal decisions you could have at any time said to, uh, the Polish spook, yes, right? I'll do the thing, right? And uh, whatever you want, right? Uh, but your drives were different and you played to those. Right, and Tracy is my buddy. Right, um, and Tracy is your buddy, yes. Yeah. So the, the, all, I, I have to say, I, I always forget about that during gameplay. Mm-hmm. And, and so that was not a consideration. It should have been, but it wasn't. And I, I got lucky, I kind of stumbled into it. Um, that I made a decision that would have been what I, I think my character would have done otherwise right? Uh, if, if I had remembered that. So, I, yeah, um, I think the buddy thing is something that we didn't, we just kind of wrote something down and moved on. But I think to make it effective, if you, you actually give a reason why they're your buddy, but like, cause originally none of us knew each other and I had to pick somebody. So I picked Janusz as well, he's the doctor. He's important to keep alive. So I'll consider him my buddy. But that didn't right. mean like I really cared about Janusz or anything. It was more like, <laughs> you know, it's expedient. You're just and, using me. <laughs> exactly. So, but I think I think if there, and this is what I'm talking about, where like there's a hint of this in the game, but there's no real like mechanical reward. You get experience. And where does that experience go? Make you a better fighter or a better survivalist. Ultimately. Like, I think what would be interesting is if there were some mechanics towards that could show progress towards your goal, show progress mm-hmm. towards your drive. Like, if Janusz seriously wants to have, you know, Poland for the polls, like, 
is he actually accomplishing anything towards that goal? And like, you know, or is that something that, you know, and, and can we kind of, is there any kind of mechanic that could be built that kind of shows that there's a give and take in making that, well, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm just supposing that that's no, no, the no. kind of stuff that I think. That, yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, but I think that goes back to what you said earlier. I think uh, there's a maturity then and a meta discussion, right? Um, at some point, uh, I think there's a discussion with Jeff about nailing that down. What does that mean for Yanush, right? Uh, and maybe that means like if if we're going to uh, do anything with this new site that we're at, right? Uh, maybe f- liberating those Polish folks that are there or making it so that they're on even footing with the U.S. folks that are there. Uh, smoothing that out so they're working together and it's not a lopsided relationship, right? Uh, maybe that's the start, uh, but he has to nail down or get specific about what that means so we can measure it. But again, you're right. At the end of the day, the only reward is Jeff feeling good that, you know, he's his character is, uh, he's getting what he wants out of playing his character, right? There's no mechanical thing there, right? Yeah, I, you know, that's interesting. Like, wh- how does one measure one's kind of life goal, right? Like, right, I mean, I right. all of us could use that, right? That uh, <laughs> it's a very existential question. So, like, we're, we're, we're essentially playing Sisyphus the game. Yeah. Uh, so all of us, all of our characters are like pushing the boulder up the hill. And, and what, how does one mark off, you know, one inch of progress up a hill to making Poland uh, free of foreign control, like damned if I know. Uh, so, and, and that's to me, but that's what's interesting is because narratively you can do that. You can say, right. if this is a story, something the, oh, more of a narrative story, then you, I think you can mark, we've had narrative progress towards this. You know, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, but we we feel like the story has progressed in that direction. I'm not saying that we can measure some kind of realistic, you know, the way you can count bullets. <laughs> Do I have nine or 10 bullets left, right? You know, it's not that, but it's, you, it, there's no way to say, well, we are now 1% better, more likely to have polls from Poland right. now. I'm not right. saying that, but it's more like a narrative thing where there's, and again, I, I'm not saying we have to have this, but I just think about these things, which is... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you measure that That if I was watching this movie or reading this book, I would feel like Janusz as a character was progressing narratively towards, you know, achieving something he's trying to achieve, you know, and, and that's comes from so much of the more modern role-playing games that are fiction first, narrative first, and I think we all come with that, but T2K, you read the rules there. It's not about story. It's not about fiction. It's about, it's a hex crawl to see if your characters get enough food and ammunition to survive to the next hex crawl, you know? And so like, that's what I'm talking. The mechanics aren't there necessarily, except that I think the way we play it, we really want that stuff. Like we want that sense of character progression, not our character. Yeah. Rather than, it was like advancement versus progression. I don't know how the industry uses it, but like advancement is I get more experience points and I have more hit points and progression is like my character has developed the way it would narratively, you know? And so I don't know. I, I mean, I find that dramatically interesting and an interesting thing for them from a game, but I think we're basically bringing that to the table. The game doesn't bring that to the table that much necessarily. 
Yeah, it's, this it's is a subjective a, question, presumably. Right. Like, and is it is it the player being subjective about whether Janusz has has moved ahead or or Tracy has moved ahead or whomever, or is it is it the player or is it the character? Right? Does Janusz right. feel like he's made progress, or does Jeff feel like he's made right. progress? And and I'm not sure because I I don't have a copy of the game, and that's that's largely because uh, I don't have the money, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I don't know what exactly the rules say, whether they say, the, does the player feel that there's been progress made or does the character feel? I don't think the game says anything about that. At least yeah. I could go back and check. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, I don't have a problem with that. I think that's interesting. And, and that's one of those things that, you know, good good players and a good GM <clears throat> will prompt that discussion. Right. And make it like, okay, what do we want? You know, because there's no rule. There's and they, even if they had written it down, we could just say like, you know what? Eh, screw that. We don't want that. Right. Right. That's not how we play. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, Jay? Is this is this the only group that you're playing Twilight 2000 with? No. So I've had three groups that have played more than three sessions. This is the longest running group I've played Twilight 2000 with, uh, and using Foundry. And uh, the we we've got the five of us. We've got great chemistry. This is good stuff. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Um, what I have learned is once folks figure out that this isn't your regular, uh, I can take hits all day, uh, take a rest kind of game, and that happens fast, then the play becomes a little bit smarter about when we engage uh, in violence and and when do we try to talk or avoid the thing altogether. Um, and then it's, uh, I think the survival, so you talked about encumbrance earlier, right? And I love that, because uh, I remember there's a couple of conversations we've had about uh, bullets, right? I can't share mine with you because mine don't work in your gun, right? And I think that's fantastic, right? If we're doing a survival game, that's a detail, right? Water, right? Did uh, we? I'm glad we have this truck because we could put this extra water in the truck because we might not be able to carry it all, right? Yeah. Uh, we had two down helicopters full of some stuff, but we couldn't take everything. We took the stuff we thought was important, right? And, yeah, and we still have that, that briefcase that we don't, yes. we don't know what the heck to do with it, right? And, and, right. and, and I love you bringing that up. Briefcase. I love you bringing that up, Jeff. And this is something I'd be very interested from your perspective, Jay, is that you've thrown plot at us occasionally. <laughs> and you know, like with the briefcase and with the okay. guy who wanted to go rescue the, the the prisoners. And as a group, we have almost always walked away from this plot, mainly because we're like, that's not very smart. <laughs> you know, it's like, if this was an action movie, sure. <laughs> but, but for the most part, we're like, yeah, well, this may come up again later, but we're not like, Oh, this is this is a quest, you know, and let's go off on right, a quest. Right. Or this is, you know, it's it's more like we've walked away from plot elements that you've thrown at us, mainly because it seems like unnecessary risk for the way we're taking the characters in a about as realistic as you can probably get, you know, in, right. in a way. I mean, like we're we're playing this smart. We don't want to get into fights. We don't want to, you know. And I think that that's really interesting. I don't know how you feel about that, that we've kind of walked away from the plot. Like, or you're like, oh God, these guys, they don't, yeah, no, <laughs> they no, won't take a hook. I keep throwing a hook and they're like walking away. <laughs> from my very first game, I've always said, and sometimes in the middle of games, I'll say, I don't have a plot. I don't know where this goes, right? 
I have this deck of cards. These there are 52 plots in here, man. <laughs> right. And so every session I draw five. Right. And I won't draw any more for that session until I played these five. Right. That's that's my rule. Now, in the book, you're supposed to you can you don't always have to draw an event card for every shift. Right. But sometimes we got a lot of shit going on. And I'm like, if I draw another card, right, it complicates things. So I'm going to leave it alone. I, we don't that complication doesn't feel fun right now. So I don't need another card. Um, so, uh, but you do engage with some of them. So, uh, there's one card, remember the soldiers on the road and you guys took the truck around, right? That's the 10 of spades card, right? That is the literal version of that card. That card came up again and that's how you get Barnstown because I scaled it up, right? Um, there was those guys at the gas station. Do we stop at this gas station and see if there's gas in the tanks, right? That's one of the cards and you engage with that right? The helicopters going down, right? That's another card. You engage with that. So you walked away from stuff that were cards, but you also engage with ones uh, that were also cards. And then they just grow um, as we're playing to find out, right? So I consider each one of these cards a prompt, right? Um, whatever's on the card helps me drive that encounter. Uh, but if you walk away from it, that's awesome. I'll put it back in the deck. We might see it later. It's fine. Yeah, I'm later curious. in a different context. Yeah, right. I, I'm curious, Jay. Um, not having the game, so how detailed are the prompts? So, for example, the um, the briefcase, right, that we found in those uh, down helicopters. Like, does the prompt tell you what's in the briefcase, or does it just sort of like say, like, all right, GM, you can figure it out. Um, it's you know the the briefcase from. Um, Pulp Fiction, right? And it can be whatever, right, you, right. whatever you want to make it. I think uh, I think it's a little of both, right? I think they give you, and this is why I love the cards as they've laid them out. They read like tea leaves, right? So I know the briefcase is a USCIA uh, security briefcase, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so that kind of implies, right? There's probably something top secret or something valuable inside, and we know where it came from, right? Uh, I don't, as a GM, know what's inside of it. Um, as Justin, who's our spook, has it, right? And as we have time and as it makes sense, I will ask him leading questions to figure out what he thinks might be in there. Um, if I'm still cold, I might have that meta conversation, right? And we all talk about what might be in the briefcase, right? But the card, right? We know where it came from. We know that you just can't open it. You just can't force it open or pop it open, right? Um, you gotta, you're gonna need some other, tools or ways to get at what's inside of it because it's a secure um briefcase that will destroy the contents inside yeah you got to figure out how to circumvent that and uh rick who's playing justin uh he knows this right so that's not a that's not a secret thing he knows that's that's the puzzle um, and we know there were two of those briefcases right the the soviet marauders ran off with the second one Right. Yeah. I, I guess I, as a player, am just sort of working with the assumption that that information that's in the briefcase or whatever's in the briefcase is valuable to somebody, but it's right. not valuable to me. And it may not even be valuable to anybody anymore because Intel has a shelf life. And mm -hmm. so like, maybe it was super valuable before the fall of Kalish. Uh, and, and now it's like, well, that those were our troop placements in, in Kalish. Right. Uh, and so like, well, I mean, some historians someday might be interested in that. 
um, if you, if the human human race even survives this sort of debacle. But uh, right. so I, I I envision like this whole long quest that some groups are going through, only to find at the end that like oh that's not important, or it's like right, somebody's important. lunch order or something. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, or, or um, what is that book? Canticle for Leibowitz. Yeah. Where they, <laughs> oh, they, you know, they decode it. Yeah. They decode it and it's like a shopping, shopping list. list. No! <laughs> you know, and it's, it's been around for literally thousands of years, right? So, Crazy. I don't know. No, this is one of the things I dig a lot about. Uh, I don't want to say good sandbox games, but maybe I am saying that. Um, I think they leave space for players, right, uh, to play how they're used to playing, how they want to play, how they enjoy playing. Um, I think Twilight 2000, this version, leaves that open, right? So all the, the stuff we're struggling with, right, uh, all the the narr- all the fiction we're producing and engaging with, I think that's all on us. We're, we're bringing that. Yeah. Um, but I think the tools are simple enough. I'm pulling a card, right? Uh, sometimes I'm rolling on tables when I'm making up sites, right? Um, but they're broad enough that, like I said, I've used one card twice because uh, the context was different. When you guys are heading down the road, right, and the card becomes a literal band of 12 to 20 guys walking down the street. Um, the second time we see it, you're walking into a village. And so I scale it up to fit that vi- that village without a whole lot of trouble because the card has an agenda, Right. Uh, and I wrote about this, so it's no secret, and you guys are there, so it's no secret now, that by the card, there's a unit, uh, they outrank your senior most person, and they want you in the unit, right, and your stuff, right? I want you working for us, right? And in this case, for Tracy, it's easy, right? She's an American soldier. It's U.S. forces, right? It's army and army, and so there are rules there, right? You're still in, right? The war is still on. Put these patches on. You're part of this unit. You know how this goes. Come on, get back in the fight. Uh, but for Yanush, uh, it's it's different. And they're Polish folks that it looks like they're occupying the town. So. Yeah. Yeah, I honestly don't know what the heck's going to happen. Uh, it really could go in any direction. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's what, that's what keeps people showing up every Saturday, right? Uh, right. So I'm going to cheat. It's not a game. I'm going to cheat, and I'm going to ask you, what's what's Jeff's fear of what might happen to Yanush? I don't know that I'd say fear, um, mm-hmm. but I, you know, because, I, and Neil will know this, like there are times when I'm perfectly okay if if it makes sense narratively and, and the dramatic fiction is there that like, this character's got to die. Like there's no real way to realistically get around this without betraying the character or the game. Then like, fine. You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not 13 anymore. Right. And, and, you know, I'm not going to be like, but my 25th level paladin, you know, who cares? Um, And so, you know, what, what do I, I think is possible, you know, Janusz so far as we've seen him, um tends to be a little bit lippy uh and people yeah. and have i like that about him. him not to do that around the major that like there are some people you can do that with and there are some people you can't and i felt like you maybe kind of dropped a big 
breadcrumb with the, I think it was the sort of grizzled sergeant who's just yeah. like, yeah, he just rang your bell, right? He just took a rifle stock and smacked you upside the head. Um, and, and that was a, a very good narrative corrective to say like, okay, look, you can keep doing this as a character, but you as a player now understand the right. stakes that if you continue pushing this is what your character is in for. No kidding. This is not like you're going to get strapped down to a chair and be, you know, almost tortured and then break free somehow. You're just, right. they're going to, they're going to put you next to a pit. They're going to put a bullet in your head and then walk away. And that is the walk end away. of Nanusha's yeah. story. And, and that honestly, that is entirely possible. Um, and I, I, I have not figured a way where I can stay true to the character right. um, and and have him survive yet. But that's that's the fun for me. Right. That's the um, fun, right. Right. And and um it's we're we're all you know acting in a play that there's no script for. Right. I, I want to emphasize one thing that Jeff's alluded to a couple times, but we didn't mention officially on this is that mm. Jeff and I and Rick, who unfortunately not here, would love it if you could join us. Uh yeah. we've known each other for <laughs> uh 25 uh, 25 to 30 years and we've gamed for many of those and so we've been through a lot of different games at a lot of different points in our lives and our maturity levels and our expectations of what a game is and it's uh um i will credit jeff with kind of really getting me thinking about like the indie games and indie game on demand and origins and stuff like that and kind of pushing that because i would go to origin things like that but never took the time to kind of play in those games and like kind of opened up a lot of the, the doors to different ways to play that I hadn't seen before. So I think the conversations are great. And I think this is absolutely true. One of the things I find fascinating about these, and again, I put quotes around realistic games is that you want it to be story enough that you like the characters enough. They're interesting enough. They're engaging enough that you kind of want to see what happens next. They're not so normal. You're like, who cares? You know, I do this right. every day. <laughs> I don't, you know, um, but, but at the same time, they can't be so much the protagonists of the story that if they're lost, everything falls apart, yeah. you know, it's, and that's the, the interesting dynamic of some of these. It's like, I, I, I'm grown. You like the character of Bard. I kind of want to see him to get home. And if he doesn't, I'll feel sad. <laughs> you know, right, like, right. But at the same time, <laughs> I don't want, it's not a, it's not a fait accompli that he will eventually get home and have, you know, it is. And so it could very well, like, you know, in the very first real firefight we had, you know, he came really close to dying and just cause he was caught in the open, you know, and, took some hits and that was, you know, I was like, Hmm, this, he might not, he might die before he even gets to pull the trigger once, you know, it was like, and I was like, that's going to be kind of sad, but that's what this game is. So I think it's, that's an, also an interesting thing to play with, which is like, it's that, that, you know, if you were watching this in a movie or reading it in a book and the character that you were really invested in just suddenly trips and falls and dies, <laughs> you know, or whatever, like, you know, randomly gets shot by a no name, you know, you know, type, type of thing. Well, that's like, okay, like, am I enjoying this book anymore? <laughs> you, know, I, you know, type of thing. And so I think there's that interesting dynamic between kind of getting into the story of the characters and then also being willing to let those characters go. And so. 
Yeah, and and I I appreciate you uh, giving me some credit, Neil, and all of that really using the transitive property (laughs) belongs to to Jim Jim Crocker, who uh, listeners may know from his many, many years of of pushing the games um, and and informing all of us about it. And and Jim was another one of those players in those those games so many years ago. And and we've come back to playing together um, some and um, I I don't know that I agree a hundred percent that like if a character dies a completely senseless death that that makes a book or TV or or movie uninteresting to me because uh, maybe that's what the author is saying. Right? Well, I know, and I agree. I'm not saying that it will, but I'm saying it throws that question out there, uh-huh. like you know, yeah. that you're like, whoa, is this? was that satisfying is it, it's really asking that question, right. you know, like is a senseless death of a character I liked satisfying. And right. I think it can be, yep. but sometimes it's also really like, well, that's fucked. <laughs> you know? And yeah. it, it, you know, it colors the whole game and you're, you're not, you know, so I think that's the dynamic that something like this, where you really have to, uh, you know, manage. Yeah. And I think that's where the good metagaming comes in. Um, and and a, a good, a good GM, good players will may even stop in the middle of play and say like, listen, let's, let's talk about how this is happening. And I think at one point, Neil, you did this as a GM, uh, in a champions game when, um, Elon Mitchell Smith's character, Ark Silver, um, was, was going to die. He was being like choked to death and, and my character could have stayed and fought or could have run away. And I was like, I, I think he would run away. But <laughs> I, I also don't want to just condemn Elon's character to die without Elon being okay with that. Right. And then we had a, you know, a short work back and forth and, and it was cool. And I, I think this, I, I don't, I don't know whether we would need that same back and forth these days. Um, I think, gosh, if you're playing, if you're playing Twilight 2000 for more than a session or two, like, and you're not okay with your character <laughs> dying, you may be playing the wrong game, uh, and and you should, you know, put your put your pen and paper down and and maybe go someplace else. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. I really it. would have liked to hear Rick and Matt. So I would be totally yeah. willing to have this conversation again. And if you want to get Rick and Matt in on it too, because I think they yeah. have a lot of good things to say. Send your comments, questions about this episode to me. I'm on Patreon at MadJ0, all letters. Or send it to Twitter at GoDiceology. And you know, subscribe, rate, and like. Let's make this our regular thing. <laughs> <laughs>